Hi, this is the See You Next Tuesday podcast. We have dirty words and shit potholes throughout the entire episode. Our name literally spells Kant. How could you not know what was coming? Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of the See You Next Tuesday podcast. I'm Jesse. I'm Amanda. And we're recording from our respective homes is plural this time. This is so weird. This is weird. But she should be sitting there, but she's not there. She's on my computer. Get yeah. out of there. <laughs> what happens when you give two old broads technology? I mean. <laughs> we complain that we don't understand it. Yes. Jump off that screen and get in your seat. Yeah. Now your place, young lady. Get back over here in my home. We're not allowed to do this. How did so, you get my computer? <laughs> so if we sound a little different, <laughs> we are high and no, <laughs> we're coming at you from two different places. Um, this is going to be something new for us, especially, you know, sometimes you just don't feel like getting more any more places than out of bed and into a different room let's be real because your friend's coming over (laughs) oh you put a bra on for me when i come over yeah that is real friendship y'all actually that is like means a lot thank you well and it's mainly because i have to go to um tia's and get our tacos which means i left the house so i gotta put a bra on you know, I've been telling my husband a lot lately, like I'm wearing like post-apocalyptic world, man. If anybody is judging anybody on what they're wearing at this point, come on, man. Like we've all been like essentially living as like house pets for the past two, two and a half years. So yeah, but all of a sudden one day everyone woke up and they're all acting like none of this has happened. Uh, yeah, that has been the weirdest, strangest. Like I feel like I've been gaslit. You know, like, wait, yeah, we all weren't doing this. Like, why am I been the one sitting in my house then? Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's crazy. Okay. Russia invaded Ukraine and yeah. everyone's like, what pandemic? Yeah, 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 for real. Which also, 100%, we obviously stand with Ukraine. We, I mean, that's a given, right? <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be a bad Ukrainian. Mm. Because those people are fucking badass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, did you did you see that one with the Ukrainian grandma about with the sunflower seed? Yes. Um <laughs> so happy. I was like, oh, that old lady will fuck up your world. You have no idea. Oh, I love her. She's now my Mimo. For real. Adopt us, Ukrainian grandmother. Whoever you are, you are our spirit grandma. Like, oh, you just made our day. It was, and it was such a, like, at first I was like, oh, the sunflower seeds. Maybe it's like, um, because you like back in the day, like they used to give what they felt like were soldiers that were like um, cowards, like white feathers, like, oh, you're a coward. Or they would give you like, um seeds like uh orange seeds that meant something too so i was like oh maybe it means something nope <laughs> pure <laughs> hatred i was like damn you die on my 
Doyle, you're going to be a flower so I can remember you. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, actually, I thought of you. <laughs> I was like, that is an Amanda level of petty. That <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> nope. <laughs> How about the farmer that stole the tank with his tractor? Okay. See, I miss, I, I've been missing other things. Like I've been trying to keep up with the news, but as you know, there's like a thousand stories a day. Tell me about that one. So first of all, I can't tell you how excited I was the other night when my app, my CNN app goes off and I'm like, I'm going to read the notification, but I know it's going to be about the war and I don't know that I can handle it because it's nine o'clock at night. And I was so excited when they were telling me about a new dinosaur they discovered. What kind? What is it? It's like a stegosaurus type dinosaur. And I forget what its name was, but I was just so excited. It was not war related. Oh, a thousand percent. Plus like uber nerd here, you know, I, I was a little girl. I used to love dinosaurs and I was like, oh, you know, um, that's super freaking awesome. I had no idea they were still discovering new dinosaurs. Well, I didn't either. Holy shit. Well, that's badass. So what's with this so, grandpa? I don't know. I don't know if it's a peepaw, but um, it was a farmer. He rolled up on his tractor, hooked up the Russian tank, and drove it away. Are you serious? <laughs> and the video I saw, I think there were the Russian soldiers chasing after it. I'm not going to like 100% say that, but I did see the tractor going away <laughs> the tank. Cue Benny Hill music. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just hear, like, you know, that song. That's what I'm saying. Like, I want to be fucking Ukrainian. They are like some badasses, man. Truly, truly. Ukrainians, family members of Ukrainians, y'all are the fucking real ones, my friend. Like, y'all don't play shit and snaps. Wow. Very impressed with y'all. 100%. Fully support all y'alls. Yeah. I mean, we think that this is bullshit. Like, yeah. Bullshit. I'm like, who decides in 2022 that I'm <laughs> say, I, I own this. You don't do that. Period. But y'all are like, Fuck you, no, you're not. Yep. And it's every single one of you. <laughs> Two thirds or one fourth. It's all y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I, I want to mention this. Um, we'll try to find some some links to charities th- that are um, able to support. Did you find any? Because I know they're not accepting yeah. certain things. So last week, okay, we're recording on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had some life situations going on and haven't been keeping up with our socials like I have been in the past. But last Saturday, um, March, the no, no, last Saturday was still February. Oh my God, that's so weird. Uh, I know. See, love in my life, I don't even know. Last Saturday, February 26th. So all of our charities from February 26th were either directly Ukrainian related or 
charities that were helping Ukraine. Does that make sense? Yes. No. Awesome. Thank you for mentioning that. So yeah, go back to that post. It's um, all the links, like she said, are there. A lot of places where you can find direct, like that's going to be sent directly to the people. Cause that's the whole thing is, you know, we want to be able to provide actual support for the people who are still there or trying to get out, you know, or any refugee services. So take a look at that. And also I have seen, okay, on TikTok. So, you know, but yeah. I also think I saw on our local news, um, Facebook, as I was scrolling through this morning real quick, people are booking Airbnbs. And mm. I saw that. But they're not going, they're not going to Ukraine, not staying in the rooms. They're just booking the rooms as a way to get money to the people of Ukraine. I and then and then on top of that, I did see somebody on TikTok say, if you're doing this, this is great. But in the special comments, when you do this, say, I'm not coming to stay. If there is somebody who needs this room, it's paid for for them to stay there. Oh, shit. So it's a twofer. So basically what you're doing is the money goes directly to the person who owns the Airbnb. Because I also know Airbnb is like waiving all their booking fees in Ukraine, which I was like, hell yeah, dude. So they're getting 100% of the proceeds, essentially. And then also, hey, a Ukrainian needs a place to stay, shelter, whatever. They can use it. That is, guys, whoever first thought of this, you're a freaking genius. That is the way to, to use the system to actually directly help people. I love it. God, that's so great. That I, like I said, I saw it on TikTok, but then I do believe our local news had a news story about it. And then I did see um, somebody who I follow on TikTok. I cannot remember her name right now. She was talking about this and said, if you're booking these rooms just to give them money in the comments somewhere, I've never used Airbnb, so I don't know how it works, but I'm assuming there's like special notes, like any Mm -hmm. reservation. Yes. Put in there that you're not actually coming and to give the room to somebody who is there and needs a place to stay. So they don't have to pay for a Mm -hmm. place to stay. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. So yeah, guys, definitely take a look at that. Get, get on Airbnb, you know, directly help and support the people who need it, uh, who are have to stay within the country or not able to get out for whatever reason. Um, and yeah, all the Ukrainian families and people here who feel so helpless, we can't imagine what you're going through. We're sending love and support and any way that we can, you know, just provide that kind of help. We don't know what it's like to be you right now. So we can't even fathom what you're going through. So reach out to your friends that you know might be related to this too. Just check in on them. Now's a good time. Yes. Yeah. Well, and on a brighter note, because you know, we want to lift y'all up. Um, I've started watching Euphoria. Yes. I'm Gen Z now, y'all. I'm so cool. Um, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I don't have the channel that is on. Um, <laughs> y'all. Well, it's on that HBO Now subscription, like, that you need to get on, girl. Um, this is your thing. <laughs> um, the hubby is onto my game of signing up. <sighs> Damn it. And not canceling them and getting to keep them. I think he might listen to this podcast on the 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So now you got to watch what you say about them too, huh? <laughs> no. That makes me sad. That makes me sad. But do you know how amazing he is? I do. And I've told you that many times. I was like, girl, you got a real one. Um, you need to. Yeah. Do you want to know where we're going to go together in April? On where? A little couples vacay. Well, we invited the youngest pod son, but he doesn't want to go. So you want to know where we're going to go? Go where? We're going to go to Louisiana. You know, I know you're thinking probably New Orleans casino, right? Mm-hmm. No, ma'am. We're going to go to the Angola Prison Rodeo. <laughs> they also sell their, like, artwork. What? <laughs> what is this? I've never heard of this. So, you know, Angola Prison, right? No. Like they're equivalent to, like, Huntsville State Prison. Okay, so very big federal-type prison. So, you know, Texas used to have a prison rodeo. No. Do you know what a prison rodeo is? No. I am I am blown away by all the words you're saying right now. Oh, my God. I can't believe you don't know. No. So, a prison rodeo is. You know what a rodeo is, right? Yeah. 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 I've been to rodeos. Yeah. Been to rodeos. But with the prisoners. Wait, so the prisoners are the carnies? It's only the rodeo portion where they get on the bulls and the do the things. Oh, so the bull riders and all the all those guys, rodeo clowns, all those people are prisoners or like uh, felons in the prison system. Oh my god. How have I never heard of this? How long has this been happening? Holy shit. I'm like blown away right now. Texas got rid of their prison rodeo um, a long time ago. And actually, there was a um, Texas politician that tried to bring it back a couple of years ago, but it it fizzled out and died. And I'm like, what the fuck, y'all? Wait, so I have so many questions. Okay, I mean, this feels like the longest yard to me, first off, but also what does the do when you okay so do people people are obviously buying tickets to attend so where does that money go um to the prison system oh but um the angola prison rodeo yeah so have you heard of angola obviously not just explain it all (laughs) at this point Uh, i first of all louisiana state prison system kind of on top of their shit, because I have seen a show about this prison and they actually grow all their own, not all of it, probably a good majority of their food. Like they have gardens where they grow fruit and vegetables and things and the prisoners tend the gardens. Oh, that's cool. So um, I heard about this because I didn't know other states have prison rodeos. So I heard about this on our friends talking shit at your podcast this week. And so I messaged Liz and I was like, um, girl, y'all still got prison rodeo? I'm coming. And then I talked to the hubby and I'm going. <gasps> I love this. <laughs> I'm so excited. About it because she's been, because they live in Louisiana. Right. And so at the prison rodeo, the prisoners also get to sell their artwork and the things they make in the woodworking shop. 
my God. And she said, the prisoners are behind a barbed wire fence yelling at you to buy their artwork. No. And she's, she was like, it's an experience. And I'm like, I'm here for all 152,000% of this fucking experience. Seriously. Seriously. This is incredible. So, but then, so yeah. So where do the proceeds go? I'm going to say the artwork and stuff probably goes on their prison books. Oh, like on their tab thing so they can buy more food. What's that called? Commissary? Commissary. Or you know how like when they do prison jobs, they get like they earn money. But I don't think they get that money to like get out. But I'm not quite sure how that works. Right. Yeah. We're not experts. We're not claiming to be experts. And just yeah, heads up. But that is okay. If you're able to take photos, I need, no, I'm going to need a thousand minimum. The rules say you have to lock your cell phones in the car. Damn it. Come on, guys. This is like one of those like unicorn type things that we want to see. I'm sorry. Pixar didn't happen. I need pictures of the prisoners on the bulls on the prisoners behind the barbed wire fence yelling at me. Exactly. I, I, I can't believe that this is going to be real without proof. So, okay, girl. Well, I trust you. So I'm going to need a detailed report. We're going to need a special edition bonus episode just about what the fuck happened. And also whatever art you buy. Oh my God. If you come home with some Gacy like clown, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. <laughs> Here's my question. Do winning cash? Are you going to take my card? Like, oh, cash or card is a good question. Yeah. Would you want to leave your card and the, on the prison system so they can just be like, well, you know, we're for profit anyway. So, yeah, no shit. This is the one time where we can actually use cash because, Lord, I can't tell you how many times, none times I've been asked to use cash lately, to be honest. In this new COVID era, like nobody is taking cash or dealing in cash. I'm going to stand at the end of Art Row and I'm going to be like one of everything. For real. for re- And that will go in your pod room. Think about it, girl. You're like, I'm decorating my pod room, babies. Boom. All of this. And, and you know what? That actually brings up a good point. So I would love to know if you can find out more details about this, where, you know, where the money goes and stuff like that, because if it does support the prisoners, hell yeah, did you know what I'm saying? That might be a little, I'm just making assumptions. Yeah, no money for their artwork, but Mm -hmm. the cost of tickets goes to like the prison system. Right. You know? um, Yeah. Which we don't support, by the way, we just want to say that we're not like, Oh yay, prisons. We we know that there's a whole problem with our country in that aspect. But this is a very interesting thing that I've never even heard happen. Oh my God. And I love that your husband's like, yeah, totally go. <laughs> Here's a ticket. <laughs> my entire life I've wanted to go to a prison rodeo. And I think because I love the movie Urban Cowboy growing up. See, okay, I need to I still I, love I still love Urban Cowboy. It's on if it's on the TV, I'm stopping. I don't care if it's at the beginning, I don't care if it's at the middle, I don't care if there's two seconds left. I'm gonna watch that motherfucking TV. I feel like we had this conversation before and I still need to watch it. It is speaking of HBO, it's actually on my HBO queue. 
and Bud and Sissy and all that shit. Um, but yeah, I take that attitude back. You don't put that attitude with Bud and Sissy. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like, I remember growing up and hearing the term Bud and Sissy a lot. And I was like, what in the world? At some point I was like, are these like other cousins or somebody that I don't even know? Like, who are you referring to? It was a big, like big, especially in the South. I feel like that movie exploded. I mean, it's John Travolta when he was actually not a dick. <laughs> right, the beginning of his Scientology career versus where we are now. Yeah. I, I'm going to 100% say Bud was not a Scientologist. <laughs> well, I'm going to, okay, how about this? This is my homework is I will watch the movie and I'll report back to you and let you know if, what if I think he's a Scientologist. <laughs> No, I need to watch that movie for sure. Um, but okay, so Euphoria is a show about. I'm gonna butcher this, guys. I'm I'm like half an episode in too. Okay, so I'm like saying I'm watching Euphoria. I mean, it literally started it last night at like midnight, and I watched 15 minutes. So you didn't even finish a whole episode yet. No, no. But <laughs> um, anyway, it's high schoolers. You know, very Gen Z over-dramatized, um, like, uh, show about, uh, addiction, uh, sexuality, what it's like to be a kid these days, like all that shit all in one. And I'm here for the ride. Like it's definitely has a vibe, has a look, has a, that's why if you ever like are like scrolling on Instagram or even out in the world and you say like, Oh, this makeup is inspired by euphoria. Well, it's because also because the makeup artists like do this really unique, like makeup looks and things. But what I really am enjoying so far about it is I do love that over drama shit. It's very like reality show vibe, you know, where it's like, you bitch. And you're just like, Oh, you know, like that. But also the fact that I love that Gen Z is in this like post sexual or post gender world where there's a transgender character everybody knows about I'm again, I'm like way behind, but point is it's not anything weird to them. Like it would have been in my high school days, you know, which I love. It's just like, yeah. And. Oh, my kids went to school with somebody who was transgender and they had gone to school with them since third grade. And all of a sudden I see something on social media that referred to this child as a name of the opposite sex. And I'm like, I- I'm sorry, is that so-and-so? And they're like, oh yeah, they're this person now. And it like was not a big thing. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I was like, you didn't tell me. And they're like, what? It's not. It's no big deal. Right. Yeah. It's like, and, and I love that. Think about, but think about how quickly that happened. One generation, one generation. That is Fucking incredible. Here's what I love more than anything. Because everybody knows like my pod twins. They're about to be 19. These kids now can fucking vote, y'all. Oh shit. Y'all done did it now. Y'all done did it now. I don't spend a lot of time on the tiki doggies. Um, because I get sucked in. I said pod heavy went to go get dinner last night and I was on the tiki doggies. And this is going to shock you because you know I don't do this. I just sat there and I cried. 
time the entire time he was going to get dinner because I'm seeing these TikToks of these kids protesting in Florida. And then I see the TikToks of people talking about what's going on here in Texas. And I'm like, just bawling because it makes me so fucking sad and so mad. Yeah. 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 I'm glad you brought that up. So if you guys haven't heard about the horrendousness of our two states, uh, I'm saying are because anymore, you know, stupid fucking Abbott's like, Essentially, bill to say that anybody, social workers, are required to check on every family who is thinking about putting their child through gender affirming anything, therapy at at all, no matter what it is, from the smallest little thing to an actual surgery. And the only good part about the way that our Texas system of government is structured is that bill is playing to his base. Or that it's it's a recommendation. It's not even a bill. It's a recommendation is playing to his base and is actually not something that is enforceable. Thank Jesus in the in the heavens for that. Because, but it doesn't negate the fact that it's fucking disgusting. It's fucking disgusting. And honestly dangerous. Um, yep. Um, yep. But the thing is, um, Let's see. The people that live across the street from me that I don't ever talk to. um, If my child decided, not even that he was transgender, let's just say he decided, I don't have long hair. Dudes have long hair all the time. Yeah. He decides he wants to grow long hair. He's had long hair once when he was younger. Let's say he decided to do it again. Let's say they thought that meant he was transgender and that we were allowing it to happen. That dick across the street could then call child protective services on me for child abuse that's what all this is <sighs> it's fucking gross dude it's fucking gross and and it, again it's uh, this is not how the world should be we shouldn't have to be saying support your transgender friends and their families and their children Give them a little extra love this week. And you know what I'm saying? Like, this should just be, we should all be in the, if you want to say euphoria universe, where we're all past it and we're all just living our fucking lives and letting people live their lives and live their truths and move on because this is gross. Um, And then the, yeah, the don't say gay crap. DeSantis is such an, he is such an idiot. He is so stupid. Like, He's the Ted Cruz of Florida. Like, really? It's like him and Ted Cruz have um, competitions to see who can be more stupid. Seriously. Seriously. Like, okay, just because you you don't want to talk about it, you know, by not talking about it, it makes it go away. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And he, here's the thing. And it's, we're all, we're all just people being people. Yes. Like who I am doesn't affect you and who you are does not affect me. Correct. You're for instance, this is a perfect example. We're doing our little, you know, web meeting right now, right? If I decide to take a drink of my coffee, here we go. Mm-hmm. Did that affect you at all? Nope. Oh, weird. What? Oh my god, it's crazy. It's almost like we're living our separate lives, but we're doing the things that we want to do in them. 
Very strange. It's like you go to church every Sunday. You may even go Wednesdays and Tuesdays and Thursdays. I don't, I, I personally, I don't agree with that, but it doesn't affect me. Correct. You know what? I'm not going to stop you from doing that. Nope. I'm not going to tell you you can't do that. I'm not going to go out and fucking make laws about it. Exactly. I'm not going to turn you into the police. I'm not going to turn you in for child abuse. Mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe if you go the Warren Jeffs route, I may interfere, but. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> Different. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You go do you, boo-boo. You go live your best life and just you just let everybody else live your their best lives. You know what yep. I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. You want to know who was not living their best life? Who's that? The person I'm going to talk about today. Oh, look at that transition. Getting good at this. Let's get into it. And I did a master class on podcasting. Oh, oh my God. You've had so much time. I, I don't know where you find the time <laughs> to get that done. You know, I'm going to have a whole lot more time on my hands. Um, <laughs> so um, our friend Tim from 2010 Minutes suggested this one to me. Oh my gosh, which by the way, if you are not listening, speaking of mental health, <laughs> everything related to that, mm-hmm. 20 Tim Minutes, and Tim and Minutes, there's only one M there, uh, is a podcast, a pod friend of ours, 20 Minutes, talks about mental health, really great podcast. We love Tim. So take a listen. Yes. Um, this is a very sad story. I might cry today. Um, that's where I am in my life. Um, and the, it shit potholes from the beginning. And most people, once you find out who it is, you may or may not know the story. And if you do, you'll understand. So let's do this. So May 21st, 1967, in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, Michael and Margaret Benoit brought into the world Christopher Michael Benoit. Okay. Okay. I'm leaning back. I'm going to grab the pillow. Hold on. I know this one, but if you guys don't, you're going to want to gear up. It's she's right. Yeah. Oh, go. Okay. I'm ready. So he was known as Chris Benoit. Um, and the best banded technical wrestler in the world. He had one sibling, a sister named Lori. And Chris spent most of his child in Alberta, Canada. And Michael, his dad, had said that Chris was obsessed with wrestling as a child. And he actually started training at the age of 12. Wow. Yeah. Like Um, training, training, like actually like learning, not just, you know, because, you know, boys, like we used to have like a lot of boys when I was growing up, WCW, like do the backyard wrestling crap. And you're like, okay, dude. (laughs) training because you know not really so much in texas but they like wrestle like as a school sport oh yeah no okay gotcha yeah anything more up north you know i don't know because there are some obviously in the south too of course but yeah to your point i we didn't have many wrestling um you know sport sports wasn't as big football basketball baseball yes but not not wrestling so in high school, Chris won a lot of awards in wrestling and bodybuilding, and he was laser focused on becoming a great wrestler. Like that was what he was going to do. Period. End of story. Like his vision board. That was it. 
Um, so Tom Billington and Bret Hart were Chris's idols growing up, and he would go he would go to the wrestling events where Chris and Brett were wrestling. And when he was training, he would imitate Tom and Brett. And when he started wrestling professionally, Chris would use the sharpshooter, which was Brett Hart's finishing move. And he would use it as his own finishing move as well. So he would, he just really looked up to him. And if you know anything about wrestling, Brett Hart and the Hart family is kind of like a dynasty, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Chris began his wrestling career in November 1985 at the Stampede Wrestling promotion where you could see his admiration for Tom and Brett and his wrestling style. He would frequently use their moves and he was nicknamed Dynamite for his speed and physical strength. (laughs) I love wrestling names. I do too. You know, like that's something that I feel like I know, I know wrestling still around. It's got a huge following still. Not negating that, but I will say that in the eighties and nineties wrestlers were, they were like larger than life, man. I mean, shit, look at Hulk Hogan. I mean, for God's sake, look at Macho Man Randy Savage. And I mean, all those guys were huge. They were like celebrities. They were celebrities of themselves. You know, they really were. Yeah. Um, so Chris, his actual debut match was in a tag team match where him and his partner won. And then in 1988, Chris married Martina and they had two kids, David and Megan. So he's got married, he has a family, but he still continues to pursue wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. And he excelled in the stampede um, like that's like um a canadian version of the ww what is it what's that last letter now wwe wwf oh god y'all know what i'm talking about because when we were kids it was one thing and it's now changed his name i think it's it, it was w okay it was wwf when we were and here's how i know this when we were kids because um the the world wildlife foundation uh, oh. essentially sued so i think it's wwe now entertainment Okay. Yes. So yeah. that was their version of the WW. We'll say E because we don't want to assume. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so Chris won four British Commonwealth titles and four international tag team titles. And so he was succeeding, and that led him to be other bigger leagues to start noticing him. And so in 1989, he joined the new. Japan Pro Wrestling. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So while he was um, wrestling for Japan Pro Wrestling, he wrestled under the name Pegasus Kid. Dude, that is a great name. Where do they come up with these names? You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, man, it's <laughs> great. I find a vintage Pegasus Kid T-shirt. <gasps> Oh, you, you, eBay, baby, you know, there's some out there. There have to be, especially now. Mm -hmm. So, um, while as the Pegasus kid and in Japan pro wrestling, he wrestled wearing a mask. Um, is it, not a lot of people wear a mask. No, I was going to ask. So 
uh, I, I may be jumping it, but in Mex, you know, Mexico, Lucha, you know, they wear the masks. Yeah. It's like a big, big fucking deal. But um, in Japan, is it similar to that? Like they all wear masks? I did not. Um... Well, you didn't research the entire history of wrestling all across the world? Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. I didn't. So in the early 90s, he won the best Super Juniors tournament twice, and he won the Super J Cup tournaments, and he continued wrestling in Japan, Mexico, and Europe, and even won a few championship titles. Sorry, my cat just jumped out of a box. Of- <laughs> I was going to ask. I was like, did, did your cat finally make it out of that box? <laughs> you know how cats are. I guess he was just napping in there. Oh, gosh. Um, so he's he was wrestling all over the world. Um, he was winning championship titles. And so um, while wrestling in Japan, um, Chris became best friends with Eddie Guerrero. Which why is that familiar? Why am I was a big time wrestler with WCW and WWE. Um and so Eddie and Chris, he they would become best friends for the rest of their lives. That's awesome. Uh, Eddie, Chris, and Dean Malenko. Um, they became kind of this close-knit trio, and the announcers even dubbed them the Three Amigos. Wow. So in 1992, um, while wrestling at the World Championships of Wrestling, the WCW, is when Chris really got noticed for his exceptional skills, and... Um, then in 1994, he started working for Extreme Championship Wrestling, the EWC. And he began, this is when he became like an it thing because he started feuds. You know, when you start feuds, that's when you know you've made it in wrestling. Yeah, yeah. You do that whole like shit talking like, uh, so-and-so stole my girl and then I got to throw down or... You insulted my brother, my honor, whatever. And then you got to throw down. <laughs> yeah. One match, you beat my best friend. Mm-hmm. It's part of the mystique. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when he joined the EWC is when he began known for starting these feuds with the more popular wrestlers. And he got a new nickname, Crippler Benoit. Oh, shit. Crippler? <laughs> <laughs> I like the Pegasus kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, although the Crippler sounds more like threatening than Pegasus kid, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, like if you're gonna be the person wrestling him, and you hear "Here comes the Pegasus kid," you're gonna be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna kick his ass in five seconds." Right. But the Crippler, you're like, "Ah, oh, shit." If you then if you hear here comes Crippler Benoit, you're gonna be like, fuck, man. Yeah. Anyhow, so in '95 he got his first American title when he won the ECW World Tag Team Championship, and so during this time he was kind of switching between the 
Japanese pro wrestling and the WCW. So he's kind of wrestling back and forth between Japan and America. And then 1997, Chris and his wife, Martina, got divorced because Chris was having an affair with Nancy Sullivan, who was the wife of fellow wrestler Kevin Sullivan. Oh, no, dude. Ooh. A lot of, lot of mess in there. <laughs> and then Chris and Nancy welcomed their son, Daniel, on February 25th, 2000. And then the couple was married in on November 23rd, 2000. All right. So they, they got together in the end. Got it. Yeah. I mean, messy start, but yeah. they got together. So um, 98, Chris was working with the WCW and he started a long time feud with Booker T. And um, 99, Chris and Dean Malenko, they won the WCW Tag Team Championship and they formed the group, The Horsemen, which they later named The Revolution. Okay, so here's my wrestling question. All you wrestling fans out there, Tim message me something do you think people aren't going to notice when they just change names and they're still all the same people that's a very good question i'm sorry i'm not giggling because i'm like i think it's dumb i'm just like the revolution just sounds to me like like prince and his gang like prince and the revolution you know like doesn't doesn't give me wrestling vibes, I guess. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like then they change their name. Like one week they were the Horsemen, the next week they're the Revolution. I don't know, man. I, that's a great question. I mean, I guess the other thing you can say is because we're not wrestling fans, but obviously, like there's a ton out there. So please, wrestling fans, let us know. I'm not At, trying to make you no, no, God, no. We love wrestling fans. But I mean, fuck, we. No, uh, you know, watch it sometime. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? But it's just like, please, yeah. Don't tell anyone, Jess. Uh oh. I went to a WWF live wrestling event when I was in high school. I knew it. I fucking knew it. I knew it. It's like, the, if you stay with a friend long enough, you can mine for gold like this. Tell me. Everything with my boyfriend at the time and his friends. So there's that. That's, I mean, that makes sense. But I did get up early in the day, the tickets went on sale. So we had floor seats. Oh, you had floor seats? Damn, girl. Was that your idea to floor seats or your boyfriend's idea to make you get floor seats? I don't remember. <laughs> How was it? Was it fun? Who was who was wrestling? Do you remember any of that? No, I don't. Oh my god, girl! But see, there's no shame in that game, you know. That's but you you got to see it in the in the prime time too. Like it's like seeking. I think Stone Cold Steve Austin might have been there. Oh, girl, three sixteen, baby! Oh my god, that's crazy! Holy crap! I had I did not know that about you. Maybe um, The Undertaker. Dude, The Undertaker 
was legit. I remember every, almost every boy in my school, him or, oh my God, I'm going to say something wrong here. Scorpion? Nope. Right. Okay. And then the Hardy Boys. Those were the, like, people lost their freaking minds. Man, that is crazy. Let's just move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point is, let us know. (laughs) Never going to speak of that again. Okay. (laughs) So Chris, he was unhappy with management at the WCW. And then he won a title he wasn't even originally credited for. And please don't come for me. I really tried to find what this title was and the story behind it, but I couldn't find it. Mm. That's okay. Now, if anyone knows, let us know. I mean, we're, as you know, we, we do all our own research and everything. So some, I mean, stuff can fall through the cracks or we could, you know, so please help us. I really, I really did try because I wanted to know. Right. Um, so Chris moved from the WCW to the World Wrestling Federation which at the time it was the WWF. So at the WWF, Chris, Eddie Guerrero, Saturn, and Dean Malenko formed the group, the Radicals. Sick. Can I spell this for you? Please. R-A-D-I-C-A-L-Z. Oh my God. I was going to go with a K in there, but the Z. Chef's kiss, my friends. Wow. Yeah. So Chris and Eddie, they're best friends. And um, a little later, Triple H joined them and they became, Chris, Eddie, and Triple H became the heel faction. Heel faction? Yes. H E A L? H E E L? Yes. H E E L. Oh, like your foot heel. Okay. I guess so. Right on. Triple H, that's another one I remember from, yeah. So Chris's first title in the WWF was in 2000's WrestleMania in a triple triple threat match against Chris Jericho and Kurt Angle for the Intercontinental Championship. And this match created a long-term rivalry with Chris Jericho over that national, um, over the championship title. So in January 2001, Chris ended up losing the title to Chris Jericho. And early the same year, um, Chris decided to leave the Radicals and start a feud with Kurt Angle, and he stole his Olympic gold medal. And this rivalry lasted a couple of days, including single fights and some tag team matches, you know. The huge. Yeah, you know, you know how it yeah you clock in you start your shit you clock out you have some lunch with the guy across you know you clock back in yeah exactly so in 2002 in the very first wwe draft i had to ask my pod yeah i didn't know they drafted people there was wwe monday night Raw, WWE Monday Night Raw was when it was on. And then they also had the SmackDown, which was on a different night. Uh-huh. They did this whole quote-unquote draft to determine which wrestlers were going to be on Monday Night Raw and which wrestlers were going to be on SmackDown. Oh, shit. Okay. Because I've heard of those two things. I, I didn't, I knew they were different, but I didn't know how. But also, wait, so if you're 
it does, does the draft have to be existing wrestlers or could it be newbies coming in too? Okay. Cause yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that dude. Real like wrestling fans are screaming right now. Like, Oh my yeah. God. You know, well, <laughs> like, I got that wrong too. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Chris moves, moved over to SmackDown. And Sick. even though he was in a feud with Kurt Angle, Chris joined with him to become the first WWE tag team champions. Nice. I we're going to get a belt. Let's join forces. Something like that. So at WrestleMania 20, Chris was given the opportunity to wrestle for the world's heavyweight title against Triple H. And Chris won, but lost his title a few months later to Edge. Oh, shit, man. You're saying all these people that I'm like, oh, I forgot about Edge. <laughs> okay. So... In 2003, Nancy filed for divorce from Chris, citing the marriage irrevocably broken and alleging, quote unquote, cruel treatment. Nancy alleges that Chris would break and throw furniture, but she would later drop the suit and the restraining order that she filed. Oh, so maybe it was one of those like, I'm super fucking pissed and. I'm going to scorch the earth. And then after she thought about it, she was like, mm, I don't want to go that far. Maybe. I don't know. So, um, Eddie Guerrero passed away November 13th, 2005. Mm. And this bit, this threw Chris into a deep depression and his fellow wrestlers said that Eddie's death changed Chris um on a deeper level and he was never the same afterwards now eddie um died of an acute heart failure due to an underlying cardiovascular disease so it wasn't anything nefarious um but it was unexpected and therefore i can see how this would be a trigger for him absolutely he's been his best friend for so long they've been in the business together so I see how it could affect him. Yeah. So 2007, Chris returned to the ECW where he was scheduled to re- wrestle for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship, but he backed out due to a family emergency. Um, then here's where the big shit pothole is, and I'm just warning everyone. You have the option to back out now. So June 25th, 2007, the police were called to the Benoit home for a welfare check after several missed appointments. And they discovered the bodies of Chris, his seven-year-old son, and his wife. Chris had killed his son and his wife before hanging himself in his weight room. It was determined that over a three-day period, Chris bound his wife before killing her and that Daniel, his son, was drugged, likely unconscious, he strangled him. Chris oh. then killed himself. Oh, my God. Uh. So the WWE aired a three-hour tribute to Chris on June 25th, which was the same day that only have been covered. Um, 
And in the tribute, Michael, Chris's father, claimed that Chris suffered from depression and that his mental illness was caused by years of repeated head trauma inside the ring. And this was before the actual details of what happened were released. Mm-hmm. Once determined the deaths were caused um, by a murder-suicide, the WWE began to quickly and quietly distance themselves from Chris. I have feelings about that. Honestly, I feel like I get it at the time. I get it. It looks bad. It's bad look for them. But and this is pre what we know now about head injury, CTE, and all that shit. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that too. Yeah. So, um, July 17th, 2007, the toxicology report revealed that Nancy had Xanax, hydrocodone, which is Vicodin, and hydromorphine, which is Waylude in her system. Her oh my God. Therapeutic levels rather than toxic levels. Oh, so this was like all prescribed, like she was fully within her limits. I don't know if it was, it just says therapeutic levels. So, and I mean, to me, it's like maybe she might have been self medicating. Mm, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're going through a divorce. It's not exactly pleasant in your life right then. So Daniel, their son did have Xanax in his system. Mm. Chris had Xanax, hydrocodone, and an elevated level of testosterone caused by a synthetic form of the hormone in his system. Yeah. But the medical examiner said his testosterone his testosterone levels were at a level as if he was being treated for a deficiency, not a rage, roid rage situation. Oh, so like low T and he was just getting it like his normal level, like back, back to where he should be for his body type and size or whatever. Holy yeah. shit. And I'm sorry to do this. Um, how old was their son, Daniel? Seven. Oh, okay. All right. I'm sorry. I, I thought he was older. Like maybe he's like, like 12 or 13, you know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So tests were done on Chris's body by Julian um, Bales, the head neural neuroscientist at West Virginia university. And they revealed that his brain resembled the brain of an 85 year old Alzheimer's patient. Oh my God. He was reported to have an advanced form of dementia, similar to the brains of four retired NFL players that suffered multiple concussions, sank into depression, and harmed themselves or other people. Um, This report claimed that several blows to his head during his wrestling career had caused irreversible damage to his brain, which led to mood swings, violence, behavior outside of the ring, and psychotic behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris was quietly cremated and it's not public knowledge what happened to his ashes. So here's the thing um, about with football players um, called CTE. Um, it's chronic traumatic <laughs> encephalopathology. Okay, I can't say that word, y'all. You nailed it. I was like, holy shit, you just nailed that word. Great. <laughs> So what it is, it's a brain degeneration that is likely caused by repeated head trauma. 
Um, while this seems like it's a new thing because it's just now being talked about, it was first described in 1928 by Dr. Harrison um, Martlands when he described a group of boxers as having quote unquote punch drunk syndrome. Over the next 75 years, it was researched re and reported similar findings with boxers and, and other brain trauma victims. In 2005, pathologist Bennett Omalu, O-M-A-L-U, Omalu? Yeah, that seems right. Published the first evidence of CTE in a former football player, Mike Webster. Um Bennett's publication got the attention of Dr. Chris Nowinski, who created a brain bank of former football players and other athletes who have passed away in order to understand the disease more. So, symptoms, impulse control problems, aggression, mood swings, depression, paranoia, anxiety, short-term memory loss, confusion, impaired dementia, being problems. So, wow. um, uh, let me be clear to all you moms and dads out there. This is not like one or two concussions. This mm -hmm. is repetitive hits to the head over years. Right. It's hundreds and thousands of head impacts over many, many, many years. It's, and it's not also full-blown concussions. Just subconcussive impacts or just a hit to the head. So, yeah, and honestly, all of that fits with Chris's story. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does. And it's, it's, that's exactly go. Yeah. It's just so sad because, you know, it's easy to dismiss because it's not, it's not anything anyone can see. You know, and it's like, oh, it's just in your head. And it's like, no, but literally it actually is. And we need to be taking this very fucking seriously. These people have a legitimate thing that needs to be treated and also prevented. You know, we need to make sure that this is not continually happening to football players and basketball players, rugby players, like anybody, anybody who's dealing with that kind of wrestlers. I mean, because now correct me here, because I, if I'm remembering if it's Chris Benoit, I think it is him. Uh, he had a specific move that he did where he would use, like he would essentially be like a jackhammer, but with his head, like he would run into someone with his head. Is that right? Um, I'm not quite sure. Okay. Uh, they all have a specific move. Right. Right. But I think his head's his head, his move specifically was something having to do with, I mean, he basically be a human, like, cannonball and i mean that if that's true then hello there's part of it but then i mean wrestlers already are getting hit around on the face and head and yeah. that's don't even comment on like no <laughs> no it's dangerous it's very dangerous i think people don't understand like yeah okay it's produced it's not real we know that but it is real they are putting their bodies on the line to do this so just yeah you know and if if you go to my Google Doc at the very end, I have a picture of a normal brain and one with CTE. Oh my God. Well, I'm going to do that right now. I cannot believe it. it crazy. Oh my God. Okay. So I guess 
the best way to describe it is a raw cauliflower slice, like a steak slice, and then a roasted one. That's the difference. I mean, that's gross. I'm sorry, but that's the only way I could kind of describe what I'm seeing to y'all. Holy shit. And and I I kind of really hope that the WWE or whatever the fuck they're called now would eventually bring him back into because they basically kind of took him out of the the legacy of the league. And I'm like, I feel like y'all need to bring him back and in a big way, especially right now. Uh, you know what I mean? To say like we we we're, we didn't do right by by Chris and we need to. Now there is a Dark Side of the Ring episode about Chris Benoit, and I have seen it, and it is so sad, and you will cry. But if you really want a way better telling of his story, um, go watch that. His friends, his wrestling friends, his friends that were wrestlers that were his friends, are interviewed. Um, Eddie Guerrero's wife is interviewed. Mm. It... um, It's a great episode. It, it's sad, but it, it tells you like his whole story and interviews people that knew him and watched him go through this. And it's it's just it's really sad. I don't know what to say. Yeah, no, no, you you did you did beautifully, by the way, because that's a hard story to tell, and especially with you know the details of what happened in that household. Uh, and again, if you want to know more, there are other podcasts and other places where you can find out what happened. I've listened to it and it's pretty bad. Very consistent with like what Amanda said, like a dimension, not, not being on planet earth. Let's just put it that way. This, this person was not on planet earth when he was committing these acts against his family. He just wasn't. And it's so sad, so sad. It could have been prevented, you know, if somebody had just taken the time to look. It's right there. And I think if you look at the time that it happened in 2007, um, about a CTE or they did, it just wasn't a common thing. No. The people that knew about CTE were doctors researching it. Right. And, because the first evidence um, in a form of football player was in 2005. Right. So, no, yeah. And and that's a very good point. It's also and, like. Uh, yeah, like uh, it, it's it's just wasn't as common, you know, to even lay doctors like normal, I guess you could say physicians to know what they were looking at necessarily. And, and of course we could also go into the social stigma of like, Oh, don't be a pussy kind of fun thing at the time where it's very much like, uh, Oh, I'm a hyper masculine dude. I could take whatever. And I'm not saying Chris was that way. I'm saying that that mentality was out there quite a bit. We didn't talk about mental health in 2007. God, no, it was not talked about in 2007. And, you know, if you look at, most people have been to camps a he's a wrestler of course he's going to be aggressive he's probably on steroids and it's roid rage and she needs to leave him 
Nobody would ever assume it would escalate the way that it did, which actually had nothing to do with steroids or roid rage. Um, or it was Nancy's lying. She's angry. Chris is my friend. Chris would never do those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this is such an an interesting story because it also encapsulates a lot of different talking points. Like you said, masculinity, what it means to be married to someone who is going through this, what it means to be married to someone who actually is physically abusive, potentially, maybe he was, maybe he actually was, you know what I'm saying? We we don't know. We don't know, but I would like to think almost a hundred percent of it had to do with CTE, like him, him, if that's what's going on, you know? And so it raises all these different questions also about society, how we perceive someone versus reality. And then like how, who we immortalize and who we don't, who do we consider a hero? You know, you can keep going into this and then, but also what are we doing about this insane? Is it a disease? What is it? Do they call it a disease? I don't quite know. Uh, you know, but what do we do about it? <laughs> You look at the symptoms, impulse control, aggression, mood swings, paranoia, anxiety. Checking all the boxes. Yeah. Your judgment. So if you take someone, even if they would never in a million years before hurt their spouse, give them all these symptoms, it it could become a possibility. Absolutely. It's a powder keg, man. I mean, honestly, and, and anybody... Head injuries or no could reach that point too. You know, that's, that's why we do a true crime podcast. Hello, that's what happens is people go, I mean, pop off. Yes, he is the quote unquote man cunt for this week, but I don't really think man cunt. I think that, especially when you look at the description of his brain after he passed away, I think that there was ex genuating circumstances mm. that if they hadn't been there raises the question, would this have ever even happened? Exactly. Right. I'm going to say the main cut in this episode is CTE <laughs> that, that we can all agree on. <laughs> like it's just. Yes. Awful. Ugh. Um, well, I'm going to lift us up. Um, I will forewarn my guy, unfortunately, is not alive anymore, but he kind of is in my heart. <laughs> I'm going full nerd on you today. I'm sorry. But, um, and I just want to say this I didn't plan this this way. Ukraine happened, right? And I had this person pre planned because, you know, my pod hubs and I were talking about him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. That'd be so cool to do that person. And then, I started researching going into it and I'm like, holy crap, he's Ukrainian. So sometimes the universe giveth, you know what I mean? And they did with the trophy dad this week, Leonard Nimoy. I, I, I had to, I had to go live long and prosper, baby. Like, do you know? Okay. First of all, Trekker Wars. <laughs> You're not gonna. You're like I ain't got a dog in this hunt. I am not about to get into this world with you. I'm like, a. I think you're talking either Star Wars or Star Trek. Yeah, you got it. I don't know Star something, and then I don't have any fucking idea like what Trucker Wars has to do with that. 
So anyway, well, you, I mean, you know, Star Trek, you know, Leonard Nimoy, right? I've heard of it. Oh my God. It's okay. Y'all gird your loins. (laughs) I'm a super nerd. Okay. So here we go. And just so everyone is aware, I'm a wars, but I do appreciate Trek and the, and the idea behind it, you know, trying to do good in the universe. Anyway, point is Leonard Nimoy was the second son born on March 26, 1931 in the Russian empire. Now Ukraine, now Ukraine, are we listening? Global leader who's doing bad things right now, Jewish immigrants, uh, in the West end of Boston, Massachusetts. So his family were Jewish immigrants and they came to the United States and settled in Boston. I want to go to Boston. I know. I hear it's freaking gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Let me tell you, I was so excited when, um, my daughter wanted to do a campus tour of a school in Boston. And then did you want to know what the fuck happened? What happened? Global pandemic. And we couldn't fly there. Fuck. Did you do like a Zoom tour or something like that? I mean, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No. No. Ugh, yeah, that's just not the same. I mean, just me. Eh. But yeah, no, Boston's. And then, Blue, and then JetBlue kept my money because I didn't use it within two years. Uh, what? Whatever. I didn't um, use money. I didn't get my money back. They just credited my JetBlue account. (laughs) So now you got to fly again. That's what you're saying. Well, no, because it's been two years. Oh, so now it's gone again. Well, you have to use it from your JetBlue account within two years. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Dude, don't even get me started with airline points. Like I'm one of those people that's like, I don't fucking care. And then I got other, I mean, like, it's great if I have them and I can use them towards, like, of course I'm going to use them, but I'm not like meticulously like, okay, if I go this way, I'm going to get like an extra hundred thousand and then I come big this. And it's like, oh my God, like, why are we putting so much math into this guys? It's just a free fucking rewards broker, you know? <laughs> I money I spent on airplane tickets back and they wouldn't give it to me. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, anyway, I digress. If, if y'all out there are those cra- the, the calculator people with flight miles, please do mine because I'm like, oh, none of them I have, by the way, because I haven't gone anywhere. But like, I'm just not that person. to be yours because I right? like fly to my prison rodeo rather than drive. <laughs> you want to be dropped off right in front of the prison rodeo. No, I would fly to Baton Rouge mm-hmm. and then Uber to the hotel and then mm-hmm. Uber. And then Uber. Yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> um, so Leonard Nimoy is uh was born from Ukrainian Jewish parents and they settled in Boston. Um they had to being Hitler, huh? Uh let's see, 1931. Yeah, there's a lot of bad shit going on, so take your pick. You know, Stalin wasn't a good dude either. You know, we had to ally ourselves with some pretty nefarious dudes back then just to get Hitler out of the world, <laughs> essentially. Um, his parents left that area of the world separately with his mom, Dora and grandma smuggled out in like, I'm kidding. I shit you not. I read like a, a hay cart, a hay cart and they were hidden under hay under blankets. Yet again, more badass Ukrainians. I know. And plus precious. I'm just like, 
and they both made it. You know what I mean? Um, Tyrion. And so his dad walked, walked to the Polish border again. What? Come on, man. Let's give it up some immigrants, man. See, the thing is, like, you saying that, I've heard about people doing that this week. I know. I know. I know. It's incredible. It just, it clearly, it never dies. And it's still there. So, they eventually made it to the US, the US, and they both reunited in the United States. Again, it's a insert movie here, you know? Um, so... Nimoy has an older brother, Melvin, and his cousin, Jeff Nimoy, who is a writer and actor here in the States. And um, I looked and yeah, Jeff Nimoy has been in like a lot of voice acting for like animes and animated series. And I'm like, oh my God, I had no idea. So yeah, very, What you want to meet an actor? No, I want to be a voice actor. Oh, you totally can literally like there's like online sites and you can just go on and be like, they'll be like, okay, we need a copy for an insurance company. This long has to be at this pace, whatever. And you just do it and you submit it and they, they accept it or not. And then you just like get money off it. Can you send me the link? Because yeah. I'm old. <laughs> I don't know how to find those things. you like, you want me to create that Reddit uh, the other day? I didn't do it by the way. I'm just like, I don't even know, girl. I'm so lost Save myself. Texas. Help me. So, um, his dad eventually set up his own barbershop in Boston and Leonard took odd jobs to help support the family, like selling newspapers, greeting cards, vacuum cleaners, and even shining shoes. He would act at the local theater starting at age eight. And at 17, he had his first major role in an amateur production of Clifford Odette's Awaken Sing. And this ignited a true acting passion. While his parents thought he should do something else with, else with his life, he said his dad <laughs> wanted him to learn the accordion because he's like, "Cause you that way you can get like you know consistent work." I'm just imagining this like yeah. guy. <laughs> accordion is much more successful than acting. But think about the time; like it actually was at the time. There were a lot of bar and bat mitzvahs to go to. It was very oompa oompa, you know. So he's like, "Is he gonna get a monkey?" Oh man, you got a monkey. Then that, yeah, now you got an act. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. Oh man. So his grandpa was actually the one who encouraged him to stick to his passion of acting. So again, I'm picturing like this little tiny apartment, you know, all of them are stuffed in there. Oh, hey. Hey, kitten. Oh, cat's joining us. What's up, bud? Um, and then grandpa's like, don't listen to him. You do whatever makes you happy. You know, it just, just the purest form of amazing family history. Um, so, and Leonard was a great actor and singer during his bar mitzvah. He sang so well. Cause you know, they have to sing verses of the Torah. Oh my God. I hope I got that right. And, um, that they actually asked him back like the following week to synagogue, to sing at synagogue. Like your act was so good. They're asking you back for like a re-up the next week. That never happens at church. Okay. <laughs> like, you did such a great job. We're going to need you to do your bar mitzvah again next week. Exactly. Yeah. So can you come back around seven or eight? We'll get the concert started. Doors are, doors are at six. Um, is that where 
$50. Yeah, exactly. That work for you? Oh, man. So William Shatner once said, quote, he is still the only man I know whose voice was two bar mitzvahs good. <laughs> oh, and just so you know, I'm going to be calling Shatner from here on out the Shat because that's my affectionate term for him. And I think it's hilarious. Um, only Nimoy could bring a depth to his acting and even voice acted for Bible stories on the radio. He said, quote, obviously there was something symbolic about voicing Bible stories on the radio that many years later as Captain Kirk, um, I would be busy rescuing civilians in distress on distant planet while, oh, on distant planets while uh, Leonard's Mr. Spock would be examining the morality of mankind, man and alien kind. Okay. So clearly I wrote that in a blind edible rage. I don't know, <laughs> but that was Captain Kirk quoting. <laughs> Maybe you should not have edibles before you do your writing. I normally don't. It's like you with the glass of wine and writing and you're like, why did I write there? Oh, mm. I normally either three glasses in or that's tequila. Hey, if we're not drinking tequila at this point, just purely out of the bottle, like with a little straw, what are we doing in life? I sent the pod hubby because I was out of tequila and he didn't come back with the normal size. He came back with the jumbo bottle. Oh, bless him. Bless him. I said, I'm sorry, I'm never going to drink all that. And he goes, yeah, you will. <laughs> You're like, fuck, he's right. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> throw that bad boy in the freezer. Yeah, you know it. God dang it. So he did decide to stick with acting. So I'm going to go back to grandpa being cute and forget whatever the fuck I did with that quote. And um, he took drama classes at Boston College. He then moved to Los Angeles using $600 he got from selling vacuum cleaners so he could enroll in the Pasadena Playhouse in 1949 at the age of 18. That's... guess how $600 moved him across the country. It's insane, right? And like, and help him enroll in like school. How is it even possible? Six hundred dollars in that time. How much was that in our time? You didn't do it, did you? No, <laughs> I did not. You get to the phone. <laughs> um, he soon learned that he was more advanced than the class that he was about to take, and instead he began studying under Stanislavski, a well-known method acting coach. Um, many actors have used since, and Nimoy quickly fell in love with method acting. Did you find out how much? I'm trying, but once I pulled up the Google on my computer, I was starting to lose my internet connection. So, oh yeah, no, don't do that. Um, so, oh okay. So Marlon Brando is a very big, you know, known person who used the Stanislavski method, um, and he was actually a role model for Nimoy, James Dean, a lot of people, a lot of people at this time. So, Nimoy, in order to make uh, ends meet in LA, he worked at an ice cream parlor, an ice cream parlor to make ends meet in LA. That's it. That's crazy. That's crazy. What year was the $600 again? 
Oh, it was um, 1949. Oh, I'm so curious. It is going to be $7,087.76. y'all. Okay, $7,000. Vacuum cleaners. Yeah, to move yourself across the country and enroll in a... It, it's essentially a community college for actors. What? I couldn't, I couldn't move down the street. <laughs> no shit. I couldn't move next door. No. <laughs> you couldn't even rent a truck for stuff. Um, nothing. Nothing. Like it's. Oh God. Anyway. U-Haul would laugh me out the front door if I said, I would like to rent a moving truck for $7,000. Yeah. You're like, you're hilarious. You silly. So cute, you. Let's move on. <laughs> in 1953, at 22, he enlisted in the Army Reserves at Fort McPherson, Georgia, and served for 18 months where he learned he earned the title of Staff Sergeant before he left. While he was there, he put on shows for the guys with the army special services wing. Okay. People in the army, is this still a thing? Is, was this a thing? And is this just like, Hey, this is our like glee club. Yeah. <laughs> There's talent shows in the army. I, I guess, I guess so back in the day. I'm having, I'm having vibes of, Top Gun when he grabs the microphone at the bar and sings, you've lost that love and feeling. Oh my God. That was. Tom Cruise is a douchebag, but this is how I'm picturing in my head. Yep. You got me. You got me right there. Damn. Yeah. Think so. Think of that. That's what he would do. He would produce stuff, shit like that. Oh my God. He wrote, hosted, and narrated his own shows, even encouraging other service members to pursue acting after they get out. Like, hey, if you like it, do it. He's like, who cares? Why, though, is he trying to convince them to be poor? <laughs> Valid. I mean, I think his point is like, if, you're, if it makes you happy, who gives a shit? You know? Well, it was just the whole you do you boo. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He directed and starred in a production of Streetcar Named Desire at the Atlanta Theater Guild during this time, as if he wasn't like busy enough doing basically everything. What are you looking at, cat? Podcat. In 1954, at 24, he married actress Sandra Zober, and they soon had two children, Julie and Adam. Because acting, obviously, I mean, as you stated, was not paying the bills. He became a cab driver, delivered newspapers, and even worked at a pet shop just to make ends meet for his family. And, you know, obviously nobody, for the most part, gets famous on their first movie. It's stupid rare if that ever happens. So, you know, he has to do like what any other actor has to do, which is a bunch of different little jobs to make ends meet until you get noticed and then you can have a career. What? Um, you need Hollywood and just become famous? No, honey. Silly. So there's so many like struggling actors in LA and New York because it's just like incredibly competitive. Yeah. Um, so get this. And this is actually, I got um all my sources are by the way are on our website. All of our sources for everything we do are on our website. Uh, but 
he wrote an Esquire article before he, he passed uh, and is basically like what I've learned so far in life. And the first fucking paragraph was this one about he, when he was driving, driving a cab at the time, uh, he drove JFK as a Senator and they got to talk in like you do with any buddy. What do you do for a living? Like, why are you a cab Essentially you're like, Oh, well, I'm actually an actor. And JFK told him, told him this, he goes, just keep in mind, there's always room for one more good one. So like, don't give up on your dream just because there's like already a bunch of actors that are really famous. There always is an, as another spot for another great actor. What? <laughs> and all y'all remember that. Exactly. Exactly. You just never fucking know. Plus I love that idea of like the two very like, in their time, people from the 60s, JFK is very 1960s. Leonard Nimoy is very 1960s are like meeting in this chance occurrence. It's crazy. So when he started, he got some B, parts in B movies like Queen for a Day, TV shows like Perry Mason, Dragnet. If you're anything like me, I love those 1950s B movies, especially like the sci-fi ones that are like ridiculously dumb. Um, and he was in them. And the Brain Eaters. He also guest starred in Sea Hunt and had a minor role on The Twilight Zone. He realized that at the time, he actually could do better as a co-star versus a lead role saying, quote, I'm a second child who was an educated to the idea my older brother was to be given respect and not perturbed. I was not to upstage him. So my acting career was designed to be a supporting player, a character actor. So basically saying like, Hey, I've already done the second child thing. It just might as well be my career too. <laughs> just really good at it. Oh, that makes me sad. I know, right? So he started taking lessons also from a blacklisted actor, Jeff Corey. And he also started teaching acting classes himself during this time. In the 60s, he worked alongside William Shatner on an episode of The Man from Uncle, which at the time was a spy show. Um, this was the first time those two had met and even worked together. Nimoy was the villain in the show episode and Shatner was the uncle recruit. And then in 1964, he worked on the show, The Lieutenant, produced by Gene Roddenberry. Nerd a fucking alert, man. If you are a nerd, those two names in a sequence mean a lot. Gene Roddenberry is the man who created Star Trek. He had the whole vision of the whole universe, the Federation, all of it, um, the diversity of it, uh, the idea that we could help, you know, populate other you know, planets or whatever in a peaceful way instead of an aggressive way. You know, it was just like he was the guy who came up with everything and he wrote and directed all the OG ones and the new ones up until his death. And so, yeah, he's a big player in the nerd in our nerd community <laughs> yes because i had no idea who that was <laughs> so gene was obviously in the works on this show at the time and when he saw nimoy in the lieutenant he was like okay i got him i got him i got my spock so i uh, he would eventually cast Nimoy in the in the character of Spock 
And the beauty of the performance, I mean, and you, you know, everybody knows Live Long and Prosper, you know, it's very, he's a very stoic character. Vulcans don't show their emotions. But the, the thing about his character was he was half alien, Vulcan, and half human. His mother was human. His father was Vulcan. And his father did something that was very forbidden, which was marry a human woman because they had emotions and they were very, you know, unstable and stuff in the Vulcan world is all about control. It's all about, you know, very, I don't know how to describe it, like stoic, I guess. (laughs) That's the only word that comes to mind. So there's this internal conflict within Spock at all times, his humanity and, and his like alien kind of always meeting up against each other. And so there's this really interesting character that Nimoy made with just those simple elements like he brings this otherness to it, like what it's like to be a human in the world and be an outsider, what it's like to be an alien in your own community, you know, because he wasn't even fully accepted by Vulcans um, or humans for that matter. Like, and he brought such a humanity within like a cheesy sixties TV show that was kind of a mirror for even society at the time, like having people of color on TV with people, with white people was a big fucking deal. And then to have William Shatner kiss Uhura, who was a black woman, was a big fucking deal. Like, you know, that was like all groundbreaking. So even this character was like a, a people who were like him, a Jewish immigrant, felt like an other. So he was representing those people too. Like, it was just a, such a perfect encapsulation of what was right about the 60s, if that makes sense, versus what was wrong. And like, I love the 60s in that way. I feel like we're very much kind of in that world right now too. It feels very tumultuous. (laughs) (sighs) Craze making. (laughs) So the 60s but with different social issues yes absolutely absolutely so um to quote Nimoy he said quote I love Spock I felt so totally at home in that character the alien with a logician's eye curious trying to understand the human condition that was my job as an actor it's a vast and deep study And Matt Atchity, sorry for butchering your name, editor-in-chief of Rotten Tomatoes said of Nimoy, quote, his legacy as that character is key to the enjoyment of Star Trek. The way that Spock was used as a device for the writers to examine humanity and examine what it meant to be human, that's really what Star Trek was all about. And in finding Leonard Nimoy, they found the perfect person to portray that. That's, yep, nailed it. So uh, Leonard Nimoy and Shat, became lifelong friends throughout the show. I mean, they actually were friends outside of the show. Uh, they, per- I mean, they were perfectly cast. I mean, to, to be honest, Gene had a great eye. Shatner, you know, he's more, he, even his character is more bold. He's more brash. He's more like fly the seat of your pants. Just go, just act first questions later, you know, just whatever. Um, and then you have the complete opposite and Spock kind of reeling it back. Like, no, we need to think about this. You need to like plan. We need to actually have like, do this the right way. (laughs) But then also Shatner gives him a humanity and says, Hey man, you can't do this logic in all situations. 
some, you actually have to use your emotions. So then that's, he's also teaching Spock how to be more human too. So it's really cool. Um, so get this. So Nimoy was the one who made this symbol of live long and prosper because that was a hand gesture he saw in the synagogue that the, the priests would do. They're called Kohanim. I hope I said that right. And uh, he was like, oh, that could be like my, my greeting, my alien greeting. And, you know, he adapted from there. Uh, he also made the Vulcan nerve pinch. Have you ever seen that where he, you know, he grabs someone by the neck and then they go down? No, I haven't. <laughs> if you didn't know where we all sat at the cafeteria in high school, you know now. <laughs> you know right fucking now. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the Vulcan nerve pinch was made by Nimoy as well. He basically was like, because in, in one of the scenes, he was scripted to knock out a guy, like literally punch him. And he was like, that's not really what I think a Vulcan would do. Like, it doesn't make sense to me because he's a method actor. Method actors like build out their character before the action starts and after. So he has this whole backstory that he's written up for Spock. Okay. Spock is, has gone to the Vulcan Institute of Technology. And because of that, he's studied human anatomy and that Vulcans admitted an energy from their fingertips. So this to him, when he told the director this, he like, look, this is what my character would do. I would like pinch somebody right here, like me. And then they like basically pass out cold. And the guy was like, oh, that makes sense. You're an alien. You know? So he invented Spock. So whenever we see, you think like Leonard Nimoy, it's like, he actually is this person because it's his ideas going into this. It wasn't all scripted. Um, he won, uh, he was nominated for primetime Emmy for all three years that the show ran. And it only ran for three seasons from 1969, uh, 1966 to 69. I, I don't know why it was canceled. I'm sure there was, I think it was ridiculous. It was canceled. It was incredibly popular, incredibly popular. There was like toys and games and God sheets. I mean, but back then shows didn't run for 25 seasons. That's true. That's true. Like, even if they were popular, they would just be like, okay, we're done with this storyline, whatever. Goodbye. New time slot. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, after the show was canceled, he starred a co-starred or joined the team on Mission Impossible and for two seasons from 1969 to 1970. And then came the Star Trek animated series that he helped voice. Um, all the old cast members came back for the animated series. You'll see all these memes online and GIFs and stuff. That's where that's from. <laughs> I really wish people could see how excited you are right now. I am glowing. I'm excited. Like I look in fucking credible right now. <laughs> So from 73 to 74, that's when the series was on. And then came the movies. I watched these movies a lot as a kid. I loved the whale one. I loved it. We'll get there. We'll get there. So Star Trek, the motion picture, 1979. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, 82. Oh my God, The Wrath of Khan is so fucking good. Oh my God. The original one. Oh my God. Khan. What? You've seen that. You've seen that, right? 
No. What? Oh my God. None of it. Okay. Star Trek three, the search for Spock in 1984, which Nimoy directed by the way. Amazing. I think it's okay. I, I think it's Star Trek five. Okay. Star Trek five, the voyage home in 86, which also Nimoy directed, I think is the one with the whales that he has to save. Anyway, I just fucking love it. I love his bathrobe that he has in it. It's just a very cool vibe. I'm here for all of it. Okay. <laughs> and then Star Trek. Um, oh, sorry. No, that's four, not five. We're going to show by example. You do you, boo. It doesn't affect me. You love it. <laughs> I love it. Like, I'm loving how excited. Can you hear my husband talking? I can. Yeah. <laughs> I dropped my phone on the floor, so I can't even text him to tell him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Do you want to scream it like through the wall? <laughs> he actually walked upstairs and is on the phone. Like, I don't know how many times we have to go over. Like, I need you to shut the fuck up. <laughs> when I'm doing this, now's not the time for that. You can place your talking in and around me at any other point in the day, but at this exact moment. Yes. Yeah. And we've gone over my setup and how I'm currently trapped. So I can't get to the phone to text him. Hey, all three people that are listening to us can fucking hear you. Tell whoever you're talking to that I was upset that you went to work this morning. (laughs) Oh, guys. Life, huh? (laughs) Welcome to life at the pod house. That sounds like a reality show, Jess. Oh, my God, girl. That's that's ours, guys. Mark this. What time day? Mark the tape. March, March 6th. 11.56 11.56 a.m. 2022. Love it. Um, exactly. So then came Star Trek V, The Final Frontier in 89, and six, The Undiscovered Country in 91. Um, and then a movie that I fucking love, and still to this day, I just rewatched it. It does still hold up. It's really cute and sweet. Three Men and a Baby that he directed. <laughs> Love that movie. I did not know he directed that, yes. but I do love that movie. That's like my childhood. Right? It's so sweet. And it's it, that was in 87. It was the highest grossing film of the year. I love that movie. I know. What's his face um, with the mustache? I can't think of his name. Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. When I was little, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I like the funny guy better in it. Um, Man, I'm losing all the names. I don't know. My MS brain is kicking. Oh, oh my God. So anyway, but I was like, okay, whatever. But you know, my, all the mothers thought he was super hot and I was like, okay, whatever. And then after watching it recently, um, I'm going to need a moment alone with that movie to talk about how fucking hot that man is. Jazz wants to take a mustache, right? I absolutely do. Tom Selleck can get it. He can get it to this day. I will give it. That's all I'm going to say. So Tom Selleck, if you're listening, 
What's up? Hey, baby. When he has, okay, girls, trust me on this. Just Google, just Google his outfits. Okay. He's wearing like this nice Oxford shirt, a really nice, like kind of like cozy cable knit over it. These little round, like perfect nineties glasses that go with his face. He's got this like zaddy vibe and you're like with a mustache and he's just like super tall, muscular, right? He's giving me substitute teacher and I'm in college and we're basically the same age. But let's fucking get it on, right? Yes. I mean, in my head, the last time I saw that movie, I was a small child. So in my head, I'm still eight and he's still 35. So I can't see it that way. Watch it now. That's how I was too. That's exactly how I was too. I was like, oh, he's like the dad. It's weird. But then now I'm like, wait a minute. We're basically the same age now. Oh, hey, (laughs) truly, truly. It was a moment. And it was like, that is life has come full circle. <laughs> I am now the one who thinks he's hot. You know? What you're telling me is now you are binge watching um, Miami Vice. Oh God, not yet, but I need to. No, but I did get real excited when I saw him on Murder She Wrote. Which, by the way, Miami Vice they used to do the you know the crossover episodes where they she would be on his, he's on hers. The sass between the two of them. I was like, ooh, I like this. <laughs> anyway, I need to... Back to Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> Back to your nerd story. So at age 56 and after 22 years of marriage, unfortunately, him and his wife split in 1987. Then okay. two years... Well, I have a question about that. Yeah. Why do people divorce after 56 years? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I mean, I get... I understand... We know why, like we get it. You got to get out, but like also like after that many years, aren't you just kind of like. You knew 20 years ago, you wanted out. Leave 20 years ago. Mm, that's not always true. Sometimes people change. You know what I mean? Like when you, sometimes people change for the worse. It was what I mean. Whenever you're with them and you're like, okay, no, who is this new person? And you try to make it work and then they don't want to change, like be better. After 50 years. Okay. What if you were married to Ted Bundy and then, you know what I mean? You're going to stay married to Ted Bundy? I'm, Ted Bundy and Leonard Nimoy are not the same. I know, but that's what my, my point is. Like, obviously that person changed and you're like, yeah, this is, this is an irreconcilable difference. I don't think this is going to work out. Okay. Yeah. That's not really what I go for is dead people. So, but I don't know. Who's to say? Do you see my point? Yeah. I mean, and you know, people aren't completely dead either at age 56. So maybe there was some. Oh, they were 56. They weren't married for 56 years. No, no, no. They were 56. And he was, they were married for 22 years. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. Um, in 1989, he married, funnily enough, Michael Bay's cousin, Susan Bay. Uh, and I believe that they were married until the end of his life. Um, and now we know why we have these horrible transformer movies. <laughs> Throughout his life, Nimoy, uh, struggled with alcoholism. He said in a documentary, which by the way, um, it's 
uh, 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 wow, I didn't like it, but it's for the love of Spock or something like that. I believe it's on Netflix. Uh, highly recommend watching it. Actually, his son made it. Adam Nimoy. Wow. Yeah, it was really cool. And uh, Adam does a lot of other documentaries. He fell in love with obviously the film industry, being very close to it with his father, and he found like his niche, like his place in the world with it. Um, so when Nimoy, what what he said in the documentaries, because his, he got the chance to also interview his father, which was very. If you watch it, it's very cathartic because Nimoy and his, his dad, Adam and his dad, Leonard, didn't have a good relationship for a lot of years because of his alcoholism. Uh, Nimoy was like, like any 60s person, you walk in the door from your work and you grab a martini or a glass of whiskey and you have it. And then you have something with dinner and then you go to bed like you had you drank every day. You probably drank at work, probably drank at lunch. Probably drink in the morning and had a Bloody Mary, you know, like it was very fucking common and you smoked all day. You know, it was like, <laughs> the man is like, wait, what? We're not doing that? <laughs> is that not acceptable? So what you're saying is. Um, <laughs> Stop. I need help. What? <laughs> oh, man. Um. But the point is, like, for him, it was, okay, one is never enough. I have to have a minimum of all, all. And so he did that for the, from the 60s all the way through 1989. Um, was it 89 or 87? Something, Something like that. But point is, like, it was a big thing. And so it also drove a wedge in between him and his son because he would be, featuring too much, you can get angry. You know, I don't think it was physically abusive but he was you know you just whiskey drunk you know what i mean you just get like ah. so it's not a great childhood for him so it was interesting to see him reconnecting with his dad as he got older after he was been sober for more years and it was it's really sweet so um and that's what nimoy said is stopping wasn't difficult once i understood i had to stop i was trying to control it but i had no control at the end of the day, you know, so um, it was good that he did that. Um, so, so during, during the seventies, um, he was really interested in photography. So he went back to college or went to college, I should say, at UCLA. And um, he also was really good at um, singing. <laughs> There's this song out there. Oh my God. No one is super nerd myself now. You've already done that. So just take Fuck it. Right. At this point, uh, there's a song where two nerddoms collide, Lord of the Rings and Star Trek, where Leonard Nimoy as himself is singing about a hobbit and how hobbits have furry little toes and shit. Oh my God. It is the best thing I have ever seen on YouTube in my life like i joke about it pod hubs and i joke about it a couple of times a month it's just so funny <laughs> if you guys are into that y'all should go watch it i'm probably not gonna do that but you should if it's your thing because we're here to let you do you boo exactly oh my god dude but all that to say he did have two bar mitzvahs because he was an excellent singer so mm. 
you know. Um, he also wrote poetry. Um, his first autobiography was published in 1975 called I Am Not Spock. And then a second one that he released in 95 was called I Am Spock. Let me get into this. Okay. In the first one, he spoke to a self-proclaimed identity crisis surrounding being Spock and perceived as such. So he was like trying to distance himself. Uh, quote, I went through a definite identity crisis. The question was whether to embrace Mr. Spock or to fight the onslaught of public interest. I realized now that I really had no choice in the matter. Spock and Star Trek were very much alive and there wasn't anything that I could do to change that. And so then the second one, he basically came to realize like, I am Spock. Like, it, like as much as I try to like, oh my God, I'm a real person. I'm not like a fucking character. I'm not this weird alien. Come on. Like, he's like, end of the day, he basically is me. He's a character I created and I fully accept that. And I'm fine with it. And I really like him. He taught me to think in different ways. Um, what else he said? He just basically challenged him to, to be a better person too, at the end of the day, uh, because of who the character was. What was that? You've read both these books, haven't you? <laughs> no, I have not read these books. When's your birthday again? In June. <laughs> so he works here and there. And um, to your point, Transformers. So here's why he's in Transformers. He was I in Transformers. I didn't know he was in Transformers. Oh, girl. Because he was married to Michael Bay's cousin. I figured that's how Michael Bay made it in the industry. And since Michael Bay made it to the industry, that's how we got the shitty movies. Hence why we have Megan fox in our lives and e-news won't stop telling me about her and what's his face oh my god okay i'm gonna say this full raw full on right now i love megan fox i don't love this choice of machine gun kelly he is not a good person and from what i understand he dates underage women ew um i don't i don't get it that's all i'm gonna say um yeah with michael bay i have no fucking idea like how he got into the industry. And, you know, one good thing about Michael Bay film is, you know, what you're going to get, you're like, I just want a massive action film with, you know, girls and fucking like high school vibes, you know, like, yeah, okay. I know what I'm in for thought, whatever, but um, yeah, no. So Lee Moy was actually a, a voice actor because, you know, he has that really deep voice for Galvatron in the Transformers, the movie from 1986. So this movie was, here's a third nerddom. Look, he's in three, Star Trek. He's got the Loader song. This dude's also in Transformers. Like he's touching all these fandoms. Um, there's a very sad scene in it, much like in the Goonies, whenever, you know, God, there's a lot of sad scenes in the Goonies, actually. Um, it's our time down here. Down here, it's our time. That was a pretty sad scene. Uh, was Megatron dies in the fucking movie and everybody loses their collective mind because it's like, how can you kill him? He's literally the fucking leader of the god dang like, Autobots. Like, how in the hell? It was very controversial and children cried a lot. Cause it's a kid's movie and like the main character essentially dies in it. Like the fuck? <laughs> so I haven't ever sat down and watched these movies, but the Panami does. And you're yeah. going to tell me that those are kid movies. 
Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a TV show. It was a, actually it was imported from Japan. Uh, I, know, like, I know 80s Transformers were mm-hmm. kids, but those were cartoons. Right. Yeah. Megan Fox movies with Shia whatever, whatever. You're telling me those are kids movies? Yeah. They're essentially like the preteen tween type. Those are not kids movies. Targeted to that audience and that on up, essentially. Those are not kid movies. Go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was in, he was Sentinel Prime in 2011's Transformers Dark of the Moon. He was also in the 2013 Star Trek movie Into Darkness as Spock, who meets his younger self, and they're able to essentially save the world. But it's a, it's an incredible scene, too, because the new actor, Zachary Quinto, I mean, that's a huge deal to me an idol <laughs> and then you get to represent his character into the future. That's an, a huge honor. Uh, and it, yeah. So uh, Nimoy has been nominated for many things, but here's the ones he's won 1986 Saturn awards, the life, a career, a career award, the 2009 Boston society of film critics, best cast star Trek 2009 Saturn awards, best guest uh, starring role on television for fringe, which Holy shit, that fucking show's great. Watch fringe. Really, really good. 2014 National Academy of Television Arts and Scientists, Boston, New England chapter, New England Emmy Awards, Governor's Award, Enduring Contributions to the Television Industry. In February of 2014, he made a public statement that he had been diagnosed with COPD, which he said was due to smoking. And again, 1960s. He'd quit long time ago, but you know, the, the damage is, is still there. A year later, February 19, 2015, he said uh, he had chest pains and was taken to the UCL LA Medical Center for, you know, examinations and treatments, went back home. And six days later, he went into a coma and died of complications of COPD at his house. That I do think is nice. At least he didn't have to die in a hospital. You know, he could be around people who love him. Right. His son, Adam, said that as Nimoy got older, quote, he mellowed out. He made his family a priority and his career became secondary. And a couple of days before he died, and I remember this tweet because I remember hearing the news that he was like sick. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. But I also knew he was old. So I was like, well, you know, he's, he's lived a long life. This is what he wrote on Twitter. Quote, a life is like a garden. Perfect moments can be had, but not preserved, except in memory. L-L-A-P which stands for Live Long and Prosper. Leonard Nimoy has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And on June 2nd, 2015, an asteroid 4864 Nimoy was named after him. So that is a trophy dad this week. And he is living long and prospering as an asteroid now in space. What? Don't asteroids like, like hit things? I mean, they can, yeah, but matter cannot be created nor destroyed. So therefore, he was always, he will always be with us. Yeah, bruh. That's my high thought of the day. (laughs) So that's Leonard Nimoy. And Spock is fucking awesome, dude. Such a great character. I know nothing about him because I am not a nerd. I figured I'd lean in really hard to my nerd vibes after being on that dams podcast <laughs> Disney <laughs> um, bracket. <laughs> yeah. 
I thought it was all fun and games until you came to play. Oh, no, baby. <laughs> Mama came to win. Mama came to win. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, do we have anything to promote? Yeah, we are um, doing a collaboration with True Crime Cat Lawyer on Jody Arias. <laughs> Take a listen. We hate her. <laughs> Not True Crime Cat Lawyer, Jody Arias. Okay. We hate her. Cat Lawyer, Elise and her cat Winston. Oh. She's amazing. We love her. 100%. We hate Jody. Oh my God. Guys, guys, um, truly, like it's so bad. Yeah. I, like, I only thought I hated her before. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. And now I'm just like, oh my God. Anyway. You know, now I really hate her. Yeah. I just find out all the reasons why when we release our collaboration episode. And if it already has been released, go on, check it out. We will be posting it very soon. Um, yeah. Oh, and we have uh, heads up all the Duggar series. The entire series is up on our Patreon right now. Um, listen if you dare. Yeah, because you think you know, but you don't know. Uh, you do not. And Amanda had to find out the majority of what we do not. And I am hoping you can scrape your brain eventually of that. Um, I cannot. And I don't even tell you all the things that I do know because... I would not do that to anybody. And you need to sleep at night and hopefully forget that part somehow, eventually. Um, the other cool part about being a patron, just... We would like for you to... Um... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Um, is basically, whenever you are subscribed to become a patron... Um, you also get early releases of all our episodes and you get access to our videos of our podcasts, which we do every single week that are not edited by the way. So if we fuck up, <laughs> you're going to see it. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> there's that, but there, you also get sticker and cool shit like that. When I threw my mic on the ground during the <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. That was a <laughs> Oh my God. But we also have a new series coming your way in April. Please stay tuned. We are so fucking stoked on that one too. It's going to be a little bit di different. It's not going to be. It's way different. Yeah. It's just going to be different. This is all we're going to say. Uh, and then of course, we're always going to have new collaborations coming up. Uh, like follow, subscribe it on all the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, what else? You can um, rate on Spotify now. Yeah, shit. Go rate us, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Please don't drop them on Star. That's just mean. If you yeah. don't like us, don't listen, man. Don't subscribe if you don't like us. We get it. We're not for everybody. We cuss a lot. And, you know, we talk about crime. I cuss a lot. I'm a sarcastic asshole. I get it, man. <laughs> um, I'll... I did keep my sarcastic comments under wraps during my whole Chris Benoit episode. Yes, I was very impressed. Because there was nothing sarcastic to say about anything. No, it was just a whole lot of awful that, um, yeah, agreed. Um, but yeah, so definitely take a look. We are also heads up designing merch for y'all. It's a labor of love and it, it, it takes a while because we want to make sure our 
vision is out there. I go, you know, we want to give you guys some really cool shit that you want to buy too. So we're really excited about that. So stay tuned. We got a lot coming y'all's way. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.